Well, today, I just wanted to uh, just share a little bit and, and just share what's on my heart. And the next two weeks, we'll kind of be together. So if you'll just turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 5 or click on your device, Romans chapter 5. I'm going to be starting in, uh, in the first verse, actually, and reading a, little, a few verses. So just be patient with me. Um, I want to just want to talk to you today about love poured out. How love is poured out. Love poured out. In Romans chapter 5, I'm getting there myself. Romans chapter 5, I'm reading out of the New King James. Paul's writing and he said, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. We've been talking about that in the last few weeks. And perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. That's a good word right now. Hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so today, really, as you read the scripture, we can see that the reassuring hope comes from the love of God. And that the love of God comes from the Holy Spirit being poured out. So love was poured out when the Holy Spirit was poured in. And you know, it's significant that I share that today because actually today is what we uh, deem as Pentecost Sunday. I don't know if you knew that or not. Uh, maybe you can look at somebody and say, I didn't know that. But it's Pentecost Sunday. What's Pentecost Sunday? Well, traditionally, uh, we celebrate it, but they celebrated it It's uh, at Pentecost, which was 50 days after the Passover. And so 50 days after the Passover was Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit was poured out. And so we celebrate that today. and We recognize that today. And we so appreciate how the Lord uh, really works in our lives through the Holy Spirit. But many people look at that and they think, well, Pentecost was, uh, you know, just an Acts chapter 2 was the beginning of the church. But it really wasn't. It, it was something new for the church, but it wasn't the beginning of the church. Uh, Paul refers to uh, the children of Israel in the, in the book of Exodus as the church in the wilderness. The word church means called out ones. And so God has always had called out ones. He called out Abraham. He called out Noah. He called out Moses. So God has always had remnants of his people, his church, in the earth. But what happened was when Jesus came and after Jesus ascended and the Holy Spirit came, what happened, God gave men his name. He gave us his power and then he gave us his commission. And so it wasn't just for a person, it just wasn't for a family, as we see in the Old Testament. It was for, and not even for a nation, it was for us. It was for who, whoever believes and receives Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. God gave us His name and His power and His commission. And so I love that about what happened at the day of Pentecost. We see that through Jesus, uh, God gave us gifts. We see that salvation is a gift, forgiveness is a gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift that came through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me just go over this a little bit because it kind of sets the stage for where I'm going today about love being poured out. We see in the Old Testament what's called the Old Covenant and we see that people had a temporary agreement with God through the written law, through the, through the law of Moses. They had a temporary agreement with God. But in order for that agreement to become eternal and living, it required a person. It required a person. 
And none of us were good enough, but Jesus Christ was qualified for that. It, wasn't more, it was more than a writing of paper. It was more than the writing of the law. It was something that needed to be living and something that needed to be alive, a person. And that was Jesus Christ. And so what makes the covenant new is Jesus. That's what makes the covenant new. And then what, what seals the covenant is the Holy Spirit. I like to think of it this way, is that the blood of Jesus qualifies you for the new covenant and the Holy Spirit guarantees that you have it. Amen. So we celebrate Pentecost today. We celebrate the Holy Ghost moving in our lives and it's been given to us, amen, by the Lord. I love that. But let's just look at this for a moment and go into Romans chapter 5. In verse 5 um, is what I like to focus on a little bit. It just says that hope never makes us ashamed. Hope never makes us ashamed because the love of God has come into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So really, the, the word here, ashamed, the, the main words for ashamed are uh, disappointment and disgrace. So hope, really, the shame of disappointment never follows the hope that we have. There's never a shame. There's never a disappointment. God never disappoints us. But if you read uh, Romans chapter 5, which we actually should, that was my text. And we did, I'm sorry. And so as we read, I'm sorry, the beginning of it, as we read that, you'll see that actually what he's talking about is the hope. What was the hope? Well, the hope is that we've been justified by faith and we have access. So these are the, this is the hope that we have. And he also says that we have hope in tribulation and sufferings. So that's really good. We need to be rejoicing over that is what he says. But the, really the shame of disappointment never follows the hope that we have. And let me just break this down a little bit more. And this is basically, essentially what he's saying is this hope of salvation brings satisfaction and fulfillment because of the love of God. We can be satisfied, we can be confident in our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did at Calvary because of the love of God. See, Christian experiences and Christian hopes really have this assurance. They rest on this one assurance of the love of God. The love that God has for us. That's amazing, isn't it? And so these are the things that they, uh, we have through Jesus Christ. Uh, and so I can say today that I have confidence in all of God's promises because of His love. All of God's promises, not one of them are in vain because I have God's love. Because God has expressed His love through Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, now our hope is strong, confident, and assured, right? Because of the love of God. So really what happens is my hope is a guarantee because of the love of God. I don't have a false hope. I don't have a, a, a feeling of hope. I have hope. I have true hope because of the love of God. That's what Paul is trying to express here. Let me just go in a little bit more to this scripture. If you look in uh, this scripture, you'll notice three words that he talks about. Let's just look at verse 2. What's he talk about? He says that we have access by faith, by faith, into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Look at verse 5. And this hope does not make us ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. What are the three words we see here? We see faith, we see hope, and we see love. Now where else does Paul teach this? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, in the last verse, of uh, uh, which is verse 13 of chapter 13, what does he say? Now abides faith, Hope and love, but the greatest is love. This is what Paul is talking about in Romans 5. The, the, the Really, the most significant message that we can ever talk about and live out is the love of God. Amen. 
You can say amen or text something if you want. But I believe that there's something as I begin to look at this and begin to see in Romans 5 here as well as in 1 John and 2 John, I begin to see something. I begin to see that the essence of God's love for us. I begin to see something. I, I think this is what Paul is trying to, to show us is the essence of God's love. Let me just explain a few things about the power of the, I should say, the essence of God's love. And number one is that he loved us first. He loved us first. That's the most powerful thing, the most significant thing, the most important thing about the love of God is that he loved us first. I mean, think about it. The emphasis is that the love of God came to us first before we even knew him and we were deserving of any kind of sacrifice. If you read on in Romans 5, what does it say in 6 and 8, in verses 6 and 8? It says, before we knew him, before we knew and had the knowledge of Jesus, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the essence of God's love is always starts right here. He loved us first. He loved us first. He gave us what we didn't have. Think about it. God freely gave us what we, we didn't have, we could never have by ourselves, and that is love. Everything flows from these two things, and that is this. I believe that everything flows from our relationship with God or our disconnect from God. Amen. And the love of God brings us to that connection, wants to draw us to that place, bring us out from that disconnect, and connect us with the living God. Because really what happens is religion... Out, this, is, this is kind of spirituality without God. That's religion. Religion wants to have God part of my life when relationships wants to, have, wants to have God in the center of my life. That's the difference. And so we see that God loved me first because He wanted to draw me to Himself that I could love Him. That I could come into this relationship with Him. That He loved me before I even knew Him. I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to... Uh, sometimes I think as Christians we kind of just uh, gl glass over this and we kind of just say, you know what, I've heard it before and I, I heard it as a kid. I sang that Jesus loves me, this I know. And I've heard sermons on it and I even believe it to an extent. But I'm going to tell you something most. The life-altering power of God is found in His love. It's in His, in his love. Amen. In 1 John chapter 4 and 8 says... But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Verse 16 says, And we know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in His love. This is a hope that we have. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. The other thing I see that's so uh, significant and, and the essence of God's love is His love is beyond us. God's love is beyond us. It usually, the love of God usually really kind of impacts or it confronts uh, two types of hearts. I believe that. Hearts that feel that they're not good enough for God or hearts that feel that they're too good for God. This really kind of impacts these kind of both hearts. There's some people that believe that I'm just not good enough. For God, I'm just not good enough. He doesn't love me. I'm look, look what I've done. Look what I've been through. Look what I did. I might have cursed His name, and I might have uh, you know did a lot of bad things, and they feel they're not good enough. But it has an impact when you face the true love of God. And there's some people that feel that they're just too good for God. And do you know something that it's uh, just for for us looking at this, and we would say, you know what, someone that really feels they're too good for God, how many know that's that's just as foolish as, as someone that says that. They, they don't need the love of God at all. To say that I deserve the love of God is foolish. To say that I, I did something to deserve it is foolish. It's as foolish as saying that I don't even want the love of God. 
in my life. I reject the love of God. That's how foolish it is to say that we deserve the love of God. And I believe today that the Lord is saying that I dare you to trust me that I love you for who you are rather than who you should be. Because we'll never be who we should be, but God loves us for who we are. Amen. And I thank the Lord for the power of the Holy Spirit that leads us to the place of who He wants us to be. His identity, His character, His nature, not mine. Amen. And so I believe today God is saying, I dare you to trust me that I love you just as you are. That's a hard thing to do, isn't it? It's hard for religious people to accept that. It's hard for sinful people to accept that. They could come to a place and say, I trust God that God loves me for who I am. Because people somehow believe that grace is kind of weak. Love is really not that strong. But I got news for you that love and grace are both strong and powerful. Why? Because it takes a lot to receive the grace of God. It takes a lot to receive the love of God in your life. And it takes a lot to live in those things and reveal those to other people. It takes a lot to show it to other people. It takes strong love to show it to people who are your enemies and don't love you and don't love God. It takes a lot of grace. It takes a lot of love. Can anybody say amen? And so it takes a lot of those things, but it's not weak. And when we get talking about the love of God and the grace of God too much, there, people get cynical. I don't understand that. People get cynical if we start talking about how much God loves us and, and why, why God loves us and why we need the grace and how much grace God gives us. Why? I believe because our natural man, the carnal nature, gets uncomfortable with real grace and real love. Can I tell you why? Because in our nature, without God, in our sinful nature, our fallen nature, the one that doesn't really want to do what's right, we know there's something about the power of God and the power of God's love that has the power to change us. It has the power for us to treat others differently. And maybe we don't want to really be changed. Maybe we really don't want to treat other people differently. Maybe we want to define God's love by how we treat other people. We're rude, we're stuffy, we're arrogant, we're judgmental, we're, we're, we're controlling, and somehow we think that's how God's love is. And people that don't get comfortable with hearing about God's love and God's grace usually suffer from really these symptoms of defining God's love according to your character, your personality, and what you want to do. So I, I want to just say this and be clear. That doesn't mean that God uh, does, does tolerate sin. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean He tolerates sin. It doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit doesn't convict us of, of sin. He certainly does. It doesn't mean that God doesn't have any commandments and standards. And it doesn't mean that everyone is automatically saved. They just don't know it. That's not what that means. It doesn't mean that salvation is just everybody is already saved just because Jesus died. No, you still have to respond to that love. You recognize it first, you understand it first, you see it first, but then you've got to respond to it. Amen. Secondly, I believe that there are people who abuse grace and love. The religious abuse grace and love. The carnal man avoids grace and love and the sinner is absent of grace and love. So what needs to happen? I believe this needs to happen is the religious person needs to repent. The carnal person needs to get spiritual and the sinner needs to see God's love. Because let me tell you something, there's not anyone who can talk about the love of God and be arrogant about it. There's not anybody who can talk about the grace of God and keep on sinning and still want to sin. It's almost impossible. You can't talk about the love of God and get arrogant. 
You can't talk about the love, the grace of God and get arrogant. And, and, and it, it, it doesn't drive you to sin. It drives you to repentance. It drives you to holiness and moves you into a place of loving other people better than you love yourself. hope this makes sense today. One of the other essence of God's love is that His love is more than a feeling. His love is more than a feeling. Look at these two passages of Scripture I already talked about. Romans chapter 5 and in 1 Corinthians 13. Both of these passages that talk about faith, hope, and love. All of these are actions before they are feelings. They are actions before they are feelings. So let me encourage you. Focus on the action before the emotion. Focus on the action of hope. Focus on the action of faith. Focus on the action of love before the feeling of love. See, the absence of feeling, the absence of feeling is really the, the absence of action. That's really what it is. If you don't feel hope, you're probably not showing it, revealing it, expressing it. If you don't feel love, you're probably not expressing it. You're not giving it, worshiping God, being kind to other people. Come on. Come on. Amen. That's what it's about. And so, you know, all these things that we see, we need to focus on action before emotion. That's what the Bible teaches us. Isn't that what Jesus taught us? He taught us that the action of love is greater than the feeling of hate. He taught us to love those who hate us. Pray for them. Do good to them. Come on. Give people a drink of water. Give them the shirt off your back. Walk an extra mile if they tell you to. Take persecution like a champ. That's what he said. Because the action of love is greater than the feeling of hate. I want to just say this. I don't feel faith, hope, or love until I know it. I can't. And I, I really can't know love or faith or hope until I do it. I'm just not going to know it until I do it. I can talk about it all I want to, but until I really love my wife, my family, other people, I'm really not going to know what I'm talking about because I haven't done it. And when you begin to do stuff in the Lord, and you begin to obey God's word, you, you begin to feel the feelings follow. They come afterwards. But today I believe that we're so led by our perception of God and our feelings about God and our feelings about love that we have a tendency to conform the love of God in what we want to do and the way we want it to work in our lives and not the way it really works. We want to manage the love of God. Can I just tell you the love of God is uncontrollable? You can't... Con control the love of God you're not going to be able to control it because you just say Lord I don't want you, I don't think you should love that person but you know you can't control that God loves that person whether you like it or not amen and I, I feel like would I like it if someone controlled forgiveness in my life if I had other people said Lord don't forgive him you need to forgive me first don't forgive him he did this and this and this no way I would want that just that, amen, overwhelming forgiveness from God. And so I hope that makes sense. But we just don't feel these things until we do it. Amen. And you don't always feel what you already have. You don't feel what you already have. That's not always. When David wrote in the Psalms, uh, he said in Psalms 103, I have been crowned with loving kindness and tender mercies. In Ephesians and Colossians, it says that we have been, we have been delivered. We have been set free. And there's times that you don't feel that, but you have it through Jesus Christ. What you need to do is walk in it. And here's the last, I believe, essence of the love of God. And that is His love is in Jesus Christ. His love is found in Jesus Christ. Let me just give you that recap of these things, the essence of the love of God. First of all, He loved us first. His love is beyond us. His love is more powerful. 
And his love is more than a feeling. His love is in Jesus Christ. I think that's so important. So not only the essence of love does Paul begin to give us. And he teaches us also the mystery of the love of God. Not going to get into this. The mystery. That's what we don't know. The mystery of the love of God. That's what we don't see. That's what we learn. That's what we understand. That's what is developed in our life. We began to understand, as Paul said, that you began to understand the depths that are in Jesus Christ. The width, the breadth, the height that is in Jesus Christ. That you began to grow in these things. You discover it, I believe, in a very small way. Sometimes at salvation, it seems like the more I walk with the Lord, the greater I understand the power of His love. The more I understand the grace that He's had and the grace that He gives, I, I believe that that's the mystery of the love of God that He reveals to you. It's what we don't know. It's what we don't see. And I, I believe that many people work hard for good ethics and they work hard for moral code and a philosophy of life, but they just never really come into this love affair with God. They, they, you can have a moral code, you can have a great philosophy in life, but if you don't understand that this is about a love affair with God, that the whole time that Jesus is pursuing you and He's wanting you to come to Him just as you are in your condition, I believe that if we waited to be perfect or waited to be good enough for God, we would never come to God. We would never come to God. And God knew that. That's why He loves us before we do come to Him. Amen. And so the Bible teaches us that the elements of God's love is in our lives are really knowing it, experiencing it, and then expressing it. There is a knowledge of God's love. It just blows you away. When you, when you begin to understand, uh, and you know what, you can't really fully understand it. You, you'll begin to study it in the scriptures and you just say, wait a second God, I don't know why you do this. I don't understand why you did this. Why would you love us after Adam blatantly sinned, blatantly turned his back on you, did exactly what you told him not to do. When all, all through our culture and our history, we have turned from you, we have rejected you, we build idols, we have sacrificed all, all kinds of things we've done that are against you, and yet you still love us. That, that just blows my mind away. So you have that knowledge of God, and then you have the experience of God's love, and you have that experience of God's grace and the expression that God calls us to do, that extension through our lives and to other people. And I believe that there is an element of people, uh, unfortunately, that have just told the Lord that they have taken the love of God and said, I deserve it. I deserve the love of God. I, I'm a small God. I'm kind of like God anyways. And they are always asking God to give them more what He's already been given, what they've already been given. And uh, they feel like entitled. Uh, nobody should feel entitled to the love of God. Think about it. We always come to the Lord and, and claim every promise and every blessing and every benefit with the deepest and most humble tone. One French philosopher said years ago, said that God made man in his own image and then we return the favor. Some people just believe that they deserve it. They, they, got, they expect it. God has to give it. No, it's just by His grace. It's just by the, the mere love that He has is so amazing and mind-blowing. And I, I believe this. It's so important to understand this about the love of God. Is we don't work for the love of God. We work, uh, and this is where we live, we live from His love. I live out, as Paul's teaching us here, we live from the love of God. Notice how Paul teaches this. He talks about faith first, hope, and then he goes into love. Love being the greatest, just like he said it in 1 Corinthians 13. He builds in the opposite direction uh, of the principles because everything rests on this. And so we don't work for God's love, we live from His love. Now I want to because I'm loved. 
I want to work for God. I want to do good works. I want to live right. I want to make right decisions. I want to change for God, right? Anything I have to change and anything that I need to change and get rid of in my life, I want to do that because I'm loved by God. That's why I want to do it. I want to do it because of God's love. The Bible says as, just as Jesus loves us, that's how we ought to love one another, including our spouse and our children and our family and our neighbors. Think about it. So we didn't really do anything to deserve it. That's what the most important thing is to understand about it. And really those who know the love of God are compelled by the love of God. And my last point about the essence of the love of God is this, is that there is the hope of the love of God. This is what Paul's talking about, and he's talking about this hope that we rejoice in, that we celebrate, we, we get excited about. It, it causes us to live differently. It causes us to see our circumstances differently because the hope of the love of God. This is what Paul's saying this, this is what we live for. The hope is what we live for. If we, if we didn't have hope, we couldn't live, right? Amen. But because we know the love of God, that makes our hope alive. It makes our hope strong in what Jesus did at Calvary. Hope is in the love of God because He loves us, because He has a plan for our lives, because he, he, He's going to do something amazing even in this time of uncertainty. That's our hope. We know it. And so the strength of my hope is built on the love of God. Not based on feeling, it's based on fact. The fact is that God loved us while we're yet sinners. God so loved the world. That's fact. And so I don't base it on the feeling of, of what I see on the news and what I hear and what I'm seeing on the streets. I'm not basing it on what I see. I'm basing it on the fact of God's love. And so th this is what overcomes discouragement. You know, when you're in discouraged, hope encourages you. Hope brings the sun into the room when you're discouraged. It's really just kind of the thing that you, you have. I don't know if you've gone through deep discouragement or depression, but let me tell you something. I, I love the fact that as I read the Bible, all of a sudden I see glimpses and sparks of hope. They just start to move in my life. I said, okay, God, you love me. I can make this. I can do this. You're going to provide for me. You're going you're gonna to save my family. I know this. And a strength begins to grow up in my heart. A confidence comes up, not an arrogance, a confidence because I see the love of God. That's the hope that we have. See, the hope that comes from the, God, the love of God keeps me living through any situation or suffering, as Paul's talking about here. The hope that we have because of the love keeps me in, in suffering. It keeps me in situations that are difficult, painful, confusing, frustrating, irritating. It keeps me in those, through those situations because I have this hope in my heart. Amen. So because of the love of God, really, that God has for me, I can look back at Calvary, just like Paul did. I can look back at Calvary because of the hope. Because of the love of God and the hope that I have in His love, I can look back at Calvary and say, that was for me. I was justified. But I can also look forward into heaven and saying, that's what I have. God's going to, amen, there's a glorification. This is where God's taking me as the destination, His future, amen, in my life. And so I can look back at Calvary, but I can look forward to heaven because I have this hope in the love of God. Amen. And so the hope in my heart really grows by recognizing what God has done for me. It, it grows by learning of who I am in Jesus and allowing God to move in my life. This is how hope in my heart grows. This is how it happens. See, because I believe that without faith, without hope, without love, this is all you have. You have fear, you have hate, and you have oppression. 
And I believe in this hour more than ever before that I believe that God's people, the Christians, the church, the called out ones, just on the day, like on the day of Pentecost, it's, it's time for us to stand and be who God's called us to be. It's time for us to arise and to awaken and to take our place in the Lord, not in arrogance, not in anger, but in love, in the love of God, in the peace of God, in the hope of God. Amen. And to begin to begin to declare to our culture and our day and our age right now, amen, the purpose of God, the, the, everything, the peace of God, the love of God. You don't understand it without God. And people need to hear it before they know it. And, and we definitely need people to hear it today. And I don't believe that there's anything in God's Word that isn't really practical for today. Everything in this book is relevant for right now what we're going through in 2020. Right now, today, Sunday, right now. All the ugliness, everything that's happening right now, God's Word is relevant. And God's Word is all about the love of God. I want to encourage you as Christians today, you're listening to me, uh, wherever you are, however you're listening to me, listen, let's not react the way that people without God are reacting. Let's react the way that Jesus reacted. Let's react in, amen, the love of God. Showing people, look, we're about peace. We're about love. We're about righteousness. The Bible makes it clear that the kingdom of God is not meat or drink. It's not in the political government. It's not in a system. It is in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So thank God for the Holy Ghost today, which is pouring out, amen, righteousness, peace, and joy in the love of God. We want this to happen. And so, in closing, just want to encourage you today that right now, right now, I don't know who you are, right now, in your brokenness, in your brokenness, in your shallow faith, will you allow yourself to be loved by Jesus Christ? Will you allow yourself to be the object, really, and, and of His desire? Amen. And say, Lord, I, I, He's been pursuing us. He's Ever since we're, before we were born, He's been loving us. He knows us, He's been pursuing us. And now we just need to say, God, I trust that you love me for who I am, I, I, for what I am and what I, I, I am right now in my life, Lord. And so I believe that we, we need to do this today. I want to challenge you to do this today. I don't know who you are and, and what condition you are in your heart. Maybe you've just played that religious game and maybe you've been uncomfortable with the subject of love and grace and it's been abused in your life and you've seen it abused. But turn to God. He'll never, never be abusive in those areas. Amen. So I believe that you cannot have love without having God. That's what the Bible teaches us. You can't have love or know love without knowing God because God is love. It's our heart today that you know God, that you learn about who He is through Jesus Christ, that He came and He died, He suffered. And for you, for me, took our sin and our disobedience and our sickness and disease and he hung on the cross and suffered and was buried in a tomb, rose from the dead. The Bible says he ascended into heaven and he's coming back for people who love him and have embraced the love that he showed at Calvary for us in Jesus' name. So I just want to encourage you today to receive the love of God, to receive the love of God that is in Christ Jesus right now. Right now in this state that we're in, wherever you are, however you're listening, I want to pray with you today. And I believe that if you'll confess your sin and admit that, Jesus, I am not good enough. I don't deserve on my own, but I just receive what Jesus Christ did for me just because he loves me. I receive it today. I receive you. Amen. The Bible says you can be saved. I want to pray for you today. Lord, we just thank you today for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your love. This is what Paul was talking about when we look at how we were justified. We look at the, the faith that we have, we receive, we receive the peace with God. 
We receive access to this grace. And we rejoice even in suffering, as Paul said. That's hard to do, but we do it anyways because we know this hope that we have in Jesus Christ because of the love that you have for us. Lord, we thank you today that your love is being poured out because the Holy Spirit Spirit has been poured in. We thank you for that today. I pray for those who don't know you. I pray that you would reveal yourself. Reveal your love and, your Lord, your mercy that you have, your goodness for them, Lord. Amen. Lead them to repentance. Lead them to a place of relationship that makes you the center of their life. Lord, we thank you for those that are listening who have experienced this salvation, who have been healed in their body and have been set free in their spirit and received the Holy Spirit. I, I pray for them today that they would be who you called them to be, even in this day, this hour. We need them right now. We need Christians who have been filled with the Holy Spirit, know God personally, to rise up and stand up and reveal the love of God to this world. We thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're going to do in this city, in this nation, and in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you today.